This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast, season eight, episode 37. And we will get to some famous 37s this week. I feel like we've abandoned the the number thing over the past couple weeks, but we've been busy. I'm John DiCarlo, the editor of Alscoop.com. We have the full house back this week. Kyle Gauss, Javon Edmonds, Caden Steele. What's going on, guys? John, we've been told to come to you with, I don't know if it's a list of grievances or a bargain or whatever, I don't know. But the the, the children would like to know when they make their first appearances on the school. And by the children, I mean John Neza Wislak and Declan Landis. Whatever the planned date was, push it back two weeks for asking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will carry that message to them. Are they, back, are they back in the studio there right now? Can they hear us? Yes. Hear yeah. Kyle the, saying that? They are in the studio. They cannot hear Kyle saying that they're in the next room over. I agree with I agree with Kyle. If they need to if they need to come talk to us with something, they can come directly to us. They don't need to use you and Caden as right. pawns in this podcast game here, so to speak. So you know, time, that's time to that's put the like big boy pants on, guys. You're about to get the call. You're about to yeah. get the September call up. Don't yeah. be asking me what number you're going to wear. Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. They need to realize they need to show a little bit of respect. You guys are going to be moving on to your full-time jobs. And these guys, I don't know if they're trying to undercut you, but like, I love the enthusiasm. But like Kyle said, they got to, you know. You know, because me and Katie never went to Sam and Dante with such questioning. You know, we just let it happen organically. Yeah. Yeah. All right, famous number 37s, guys. Like I said, or, or we didn't do, did we do 36s and 35s before? We, we definitely skipped 36. Yeah, we got skipped. Skip. Yeah, I think we talked about 35. That was just you and I, right, Javon? We talked about Christian Okoye. Uh, 36. I think I was there for that. Okay. Maybe, because I know we right, didn't for... say Kevin Durant. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Kate. Um, for that. Yeah, Sorry. 36. Shaquille O'Neal with the Celtics is all I got for you. You're very good. You remember like the off-brand numbers, like the the tail end of someone's career numbers. You were because like, they look so so wrong in those numbers that it's like you can't help <laughs> but remember them. Yeah, Brian was seven six. Oh, Jerome, three six. Yeah, Jerome Bettis from the Steelers. The bus. Yeah. Now, who wore thirty seven? I got. Uh, I mean, I wrote down in our script: Sean Alexander and Lester Hayes, the two that come to mind for me. Sean Alexander uh, came to mind. Um, the best fantasy fullback of all time. Uh, best fantasy fullback of all time. Is that Marcel Reese or Mm-mm. Mike Tolbert? Um, uh, Tolbert. I don't know if you call Tolbert a fullback or just like a fat running back that that's still <laughs> running back. Um, Cardinals, John. Notice I didn't say Arizona Cardinals. Phoenix Cardinals. Larry Centers, or thirty-seven Centers. Um, you were playing. You were playing fantasy football when Larry Sanders was. Playing? I was very into stats. <laughs> I appreciated <laughs> the fact that you could receive out of the back. I wasn't playing in like 1998, but he was still around to like 0304 with the Patriots. Huh. Um, Good call the best college running back of all time, maybe if you follow awards, Doak Walker. Mm. Wow, that's cool. That's about it. What about the guy who created the Lambo Leap, Leroy Butler? Oh, that's Leroy. That's a, that's such a wonderful name. Oh. Oh, hold on. Deion Sanders wore 37 with, with the Ravens. With, with the Ravens. Oh, okay. <laughs> we just with that franchise. 
I thought we weren't allowed to talk about the Ravens. Yeah, we weren't. That they're on like a don't talk about them list. That's when he had been retired. He had been retired for like five years, right? Yeah, he didn't want to come back and take Chris McAllister's Chris McAllister's number, so he wore his age of thirty-seven while he was a Hmm. decent nickel corner. Yeah. yeah, there's one more guy in that division. Rodney Harrison wore 37 oh, with the Steelers. Oh, yeah. He did. Yeah, he did. Um, oh, Ron Artest. Yeah, it's the Patriots. You Patriots, for. Patriots. Yeah, not yeah. Ron Artest wore 37. Yes, Ron Artest. Yeah. Well, Matter World Peace at that point when he switched to 37. No, I think World Peace was 15. Was it? Yeah, I think Kyle might be right on that one. I thought it was the other way around. I couldn't. Now he's got a different name, right? It's like Meta Artest. He's Meta Sanderford Artest. Yeah, 15 with the Bulls. 15 with the Pacers. 37 with the Lakers and then back to 15 with the Lakers. Okay, so you're right. 15 and then 51 with, with the Knicks because why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're on right. top of our numbers game. Good, good, uh, good, yeah, uh, good numbers talk. We've had we we needed that. It's been it's been intense over the last few weeks. A lot of breaking news. A lot of news that we're breaking. Uh, scale the layers back and uh, talk some talk some fun numbers. Hey, let it yeah. breathe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The scoop again is now brought to you all by Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers. If you have been injured while on the road or highway in the crash with someone else's fault, the insurance company will not be on your side. You need us, Temple Law grads, who will fight hard to get the compensation that you deserve. We only get paid if we win. In Pennsylvania or New York, call us today at 215 261 7359. That's 215 261 7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com. So a ton of stuff, ton of fun stuff to get into this week's episode. As you all know, Adam Fisher was introduced as Temple's new men's basketball coach Wednesday afternoon at a press conference at the Fox Giddis Room of the Leah Corps Center, where they have yeah. pretty much all their press conferences, with the exception of Aaron's, which was done pretty well when he was introduced and they did the whole thing at McGonagall. But Adam Fisher introduced yesterday. We're going to be talking a lot about that. I know that we've been very basketball-centric over the past few weeks, but we do have the Cherry and White game to talk about, some more spring football updates for you. Pretty full mailbag to get to on the football and basketball side as well. So, But getting back to Adam Fisher, thought he nailed the press conference yesterday. I think that was the general consensus. Obviously, games are not won and lost in press conferences, but for a fan base that's really just starving for some fresh energy, uh, a new a new tone of the conversation about the, the future of the program. Again, I, I thought he nailed it yesterday. We got the chance to, of course, talk to him, talk to Michael Huger. We got a ton of, of coverage for you. Had a couple of stories up yesterday, of course. Uh, Javon was able to talk to Chris Clark. Ramir Vaughn was able to talk to Michael Huger, who was on his staff. Um, as we first reported, Michael Huger, Chris Clark, and Bobby Jordan will be his three bench assistants initially yesterday. Uh, Adam Fisher said, well, I can't leak my staff information just yet, but the guys may or not be may or may not be sitting over there and he motioned to his left. And then he answered questions anyway, uh, starting off with Javon's question about Chris. And uh, uh, so those guys will be the three bench assistants. Do want to acknowledge we did initially report and with with good sourcing, I will say that Matt Brady, uh, the former St. Joe's assistant, Oklahoma assistant, former. Oh, God, where was he the head coach? Sienna and JMU. I'm oh, sorry, James Madison and Marist. Why did I say Sienna? Yeah, JM, uh, yeah, James Madison and Marist. Um, really trusted our sourcing on that, but something along the way um happened and he's not gonna be joining. Uh it's not gonna be joining Adam Fisher's staff, but 
The three bench assistants are set, Michael Huger, Chris Clark, and Bobby Jordan. Again, Ryan Mir talked to Michael Huger. You'll be able to check out that story. You'll be able to check out Javon's story on Chris Clark. But let's get into this. I mean, Kyle, I know you weren't able to be there yesterday, but just general takeaways. What did you think of it? I thought it went about as well as it could have been. A card gone for, for a lot of different ways. I thought Arthur Johnson was good. I thought Adam Fisher came across as very genuine, um, which is like good because like if you're trying to pretend to be someone you're not and like the super cool, suave Rickettino guy, like that's not you. Um, I thought he had answers to pretty much everything that he could have at the time. Um, all that being said, like that doesn't buy you much, right? Like you had a good press conference. There's a lot of people that win press conferences. Jeff Collins won the press conference. Aaron McKee won the press conference. Like it was a different type of press conference, but it was a good press conference. Um, in the end, like he's still a guy that's inheriting a roster that has five scholarship players right now. So like, I think six technically, right? Who am I missing? Stanford would be the six. Oh yeah. Well, there he's not here yet. So five currently, I know he hasn't asked out. I know he's not planning on asking out, but like, they got five scholarship guys kind of like in the program right now. And, and yeah, in six weeks, two months, they'll have six. Hopefully they have more than six in two months. But mm-hmm. um, I think right now, like for all the goodwill that that press conference bought you, like they need a win and they need a win quickly. They need a, whether it's keeping somebody out of the portal, like coming back, whether it's getting a recruit, whether it's getting somebody to follow from Penn state, like that, that was my biggest takeaway is like, okay, you checked the box, you got an A, A minus on the press conference, and now it's on to the next exam. Like, I think so far in the week since Adam Fisher has been hired, everything has gone the way you would want it to go, except for maybe not getting, you know, uh, Matt Brady or uh, DJ Irving, but otherwise everything's going well. So it just continued the, the positivity on my end. Vaughn, a very problem. positive guy. Yeah. Uh, I said this to a few people yesterday. Um, I, I do like how much camaraderie the staff, this new staff has. Uh, Fish, Clark, Huger, Jordan, uh, all four of them go back and have a lot of respect for each other and their work. Uh, they seem to enjoy each other. So happy for Chris Clark to survive his second coaching change and be under his third head coach as an assistant. In fairness, the first one wasn't like he was out in the wilderness. Like he was, yeah. he was operating as like McKee's assistant for like the last year of Dumpy mm-hmm. era. But yeah, yeah, still some staying so power it, nonetheless. Yeah, it, it makes you. It does make you say, uh, you hope that assistants like Jimmy Finnerty and Monte Ross, uh, Monte Ross, excuse me, uh, find something pretty well, soon. Monte, Monte Ross is the new head Monte's coach. Now, in he got A and T. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So I guess it's Jimmy that we're waiting for now. Which I, yeah, which sounds like that might be brewing a little bit too. So yeah, friend of the podcast who was always great to speak to. So um, there's that part. Uh, it was good to see Zion Stanford in attendance. Uh everything that we've heard about Adam kind of, I guess, checked out. Um, but as I was telling people, what you do on the press conference is great. It's mostly performative. Uh, not saying that he's not genuine or anything, but you know. A win is technically, you know, a win in the win column in the months of November, December, January, and February. And then hopefully for fans, the month of March, the, the important one. Um, So we'll see what goes down in November. But so far, so good. Well, actually, not even before then. My report card really starts with the portal. Can you get Jamil Brown to Temple? He's in the portal. You recruited him at Penn State. He's a Philly guy. Temple fans are going to be knocking at your door for him. Can you get 
Zach Hicks or Hysia Miller or Jamil Reynolds out of the portal. Jamil looks like he's not going to. Uh, Caleb Battle, we know is that's it. Damian Dunn's gone. Um, Battle and Reynolds most likely are a package deal down at UCF, from what I'm hearing. Um, so yeah, can you get Zach Hicks and Hysia Miller back? Um, Kyle, we're hearing conflicting reports. Share, share, share your expertise on this one. I'm I'm trying to avoid throwing shit at the wall. So no, uh, I I'm not I'm here I'm hearing something different than that. But it's fine. I'm nothing. I don't. To be honest, this sounds terrible. But like, I'm just my job is just have they left? I think they've left. I kind of move on from them. Like it sounds terrible. They were nice guys. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't expect either to be in Temple uniform. Although from what yeah, I'm hearing, I'm... one of those, despite maybe putting out a top list, might not have completely written Temple off. But if I was a betting man. That's a no-go. Hmm. But, yeah, that too. Um, But, yeah, all that good jazz. We'll see what happens on the recruiting trail and on the floor. And, and in case you guys missed it, Caden uh, did a really cool story on Adam Fisher for the Philadelphia Inquirer with uh, with just quotes and, and insight from Micah Shrewsbury and Hysene Poplar, who's Wilga Poplar's father, and then Rick Perez, who was Lonnie Walker's high school coach at Reading High School, and, of course, Adam recruited Lonnie Walker out of Reading High School, got them to Miami, really helped build that roster that was in the final four. Kate, and I wanted to just have you give our listeners some insight, like take us into your reporting process there. That was a good read and a fun read. Those stories are fun to read when when someone is drafted or someone's hired and you don't get their in, their voice into it. And it's the voice of voices, I should say, of other people. What, what was it like to report on that story? What did you take out of it? It was fun, uh, especially talking to – no, Wilco Poplar's dad and learning about just how, you know, special, you know, the connection between Wilco and Adam Fisher was and him, you know, having such of an influence. And it was just a, such a consistent theme talking to local coaches and AAU coaches, high school coaches, even Michael Shrewsbury talking about that relationship builder aspect. And I think the one part, and we talked about the press conference, it could have even been higher in my story, is the part where he does anything to connect with the athlete. And he took Lonnie Walker, the fourth to yoga sessions and like connected with his parents and like Rick Perez talked about like my favorite core. He's like, he's a guardian of the game talking about just how like unique Adam Fisher is when he comes into like a practice and he doesn't make it known that he's there. He, like, he doesn't make you accommodate them. And like, I thought there were just so many neat details, just learning about just like how all these coaches have so much respect about him. Brandon Williams, I feel like probably talked about, how like eight years ago he was working just like a regular punch the clock job a nine to five didn't have a ton of job and Adam Fisher went out of his way to meet him at a Panera Bread and most of his experiences like subphrasing a little bit with other college coaches he knows it's like a sales pitch it's you know it's not a lot of uh, you know truth behind it they're trying to get his players but you could tell it's like the first time that Adam Fisher was truly genuine so I think just hearing all those different stories was so cool and just overall it's just a, it was a fun process to get you know Michael Shrewsbury. I, he definitely seems like a very genuine coach, and I think Notre Dame did a good job of getting him. So, how perked up when you Panera used- Bread, Panera yes. Bread, formerly called, formerly called, um, the St. Louis Bread Company. What? That's, yeah, when they went national, national they were like, whoa, 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 St. Louis is a garbage town. We can't make this like our our brand, so it became Panera Bread. Did you know <laughs> that, or did you just look that up now? I knew that. No, I legitimately knew that. You sound like the NFL gar- uh, trash going St. Louis right now. <laughs> yeah, St. Louis is what it is. <laughs> Kurt Warner's listening. I'm sorry, but <laughs> well, so anyone from St. Louis that's listening, your guy Jason Tatum is going to get the Sixers out of the playoffs. So if anybody from St. Louis is listening, if anybody from St. Louis is listening, 
get your rotary phone going. Call me to complain. <laughs> Don't do that. Deuce Roberts and his family may be listening. We we got to support the guys we come from. They're closer to Kansas City, though, right? From where he grew up. Yeah, um, so. Lee Summit or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think they so. have cousins in St. Louis. Who knows? Yeah, I'm sure. But <laughs> <laughs> we do have, um, and of course, if you go to alscoop.com, uh, you can listen to all the audio from yesterday's press conference. And like I said, we'll have much more for you from that press conference in the coming days. A lot of coverage to come. Uh, a couple of clips that we want to play for you here. And again, a lot of you were able to tune in if you if you weren't there in person, if you were able to tune in at alsports.com and watch the, the stream of the press conference. Of course, you you heard Mitch Morgan speak. You heard Arthur Johnson speak. You heard Adam Fisher speak, of course. And then in these press conferences, it's customary to have these breakout sessions where reporters can ask follow-up questions and stuff like that. Uh, one clip we'll play for you here. I, I was talking to Adam. I asked him about just the challenges of becoming a first-time head coach now when the game has changed so much over the last two, five, ten years. The, the, there are opportunities on one hand for the players, but a lot of challenges for the for the coaches in terms of recruiting and re-recruiting your players who end up in the portal, name, image, and likeness, embracing the challenges that, that come from that. And Adam just talked about why would I fight change, talked about how his time at Penn State prepared him for that. So here was his answer to my question when I asked him about that. You know, I think you have to accept it. Why fight the change? So I think we've accepted it. When I got to Penn State, seven guys went in the portal. We had four players left. So I've been able to see it, you know, and see how to build it in a quick time. I don't want this to take long. I'm not here for five, six years. It's not that at all. We want to win right away. So I think that experience at Penn State, having to deal with the portal and NIL has really prepared me for this moment. All right, so that kind of gives you some insight into, into Adam Fisher's mindset in terms of you know, why I wanted the job and why, I mean, I think overall, I think if, if you're the type of fan who wanted a fresh perspective, wanted a, a younger coach who is ready to kind of embrace all this stuff, that's about what you'd want to hear. Again, as we've been saying, it's good to win a press conference, but in the future, obviously you have to get some recruiting wins, some portal wins and, and, uh, and win some games. Um, another clip we're going to play for you here is, is uh, from yesterday, Arthur Johnson, Temple's athletic director, talking about his his conversation with Jim Laranega and his time uh, coaching with Adam Fisher. And he mentions here that as they were preparing for their for their final four game, uh, no, Elite Eight game, excuse me, not final four game, Elite Eight game against Texas, he took the time to make a call on Adam Fisher's behalf. And that was a big part of, of, um, of Arthur Johnson's decision-making process here. And here's a part of that conversation from yesterday. Also heard from... Some coaches that he worked with, uh, Coach Laranega, called me the day that they were playing Texas for the right to go to uh, the Final Four. After we traded some jokes about I was not cheering for him that night, because I know people at Texas, uh, but that really meant a lot for him to take his time uh, getting ready to play, to go back to the Final Four in 22 years, for him to take time to call. I also heard from some other people uh, that I know in the basketball world. I asked them to reach out, and I kept getting positive, positive feedback. Uh, Coach Laranega really sealed it and put it home when he just talked about, yes, he played a huge role in developing guys as well. Uh, he understands the game and talked about his ability uh, to also make adjustments in game. So let's we'll, we'll jump into the mailbag here because again a lot of you guys have questions that would 
like I said, over the past couple of weeks, otherwise kind of just set the agenda for us otherwise. And, and we want to get right to the questions that you guys have and get to what you want to know from us. Uh, the first question from the basketball mailbag, and these are all from subscribers with the exception of one text question we got. I can't use the term text board because as a 97.5, the fanatic term, but again, one of our loyal listeners, Pat Egan, texted us a question that we'll get to a little bit later on in the mailbag. But the first one comes from the screen name Temple J. Can we get information on the progress of NIL goals, coaches involvement and the involvement of former athletes in terms of goals and fiscal goals? You'd have to ask the, the, the people at the tough fund about that, but to answer your question about coaches involvement and NIL, uh, we'll, we'll play this clip for you here. And again, if you're a temple fan that wants to know if they just hired a head coach that is serious about getting behind name image and likeness and, and doing what he can, I think you'll like this answer. Yeah, it's something that we have to, to work on and work with. You know, we need some people. Uh, we're going to meet with some people here soon. It's definitely something that's everywhere in college basketball and college athletics. So not just specifically here, but I was confident. I brought it up during the interview process. Uh, but I also mean that I don't want guys that just want NIL to be here. But it is going to play a role in guys. So we've got to make sure we're competitive. And I believe with our leadership that we are going to be competitive in that field. All right. Uh, second question here from the screen name, Esther Boyer. Can you give your thoughts on what went wrong with the Aaron McKee era? Uh, it is arguably our most successful basketball alum. How do you see him remaining part of the program and seeing in Temple history? So first question first, what went wrong with the Aaron McKee era? I'll, I'll tip this over to you guys first before I chime in on this. I mean, obviously a good question. Four seasons of We've four. We've answered it like 50 million times though. You know? What's that? I feel like million we, one. Yeah, I feel like we've answered it fifty million times. But you know, we I mean, we love pleasing our our listeners. I mean, with like for now taking it, you know, again, we've been kind of caught up in the coaching search. When you do take a step back from it, what what do you think went wrong? I think the one thing that stood out from kind of going back to my story from the inquiries was talking to Lonnie Diggs from Math, Civics, and Sciences. Uh, the Mighty Elephants. The Mighty Elephants. Yeah, and he talked about. And I asked him a question about Adam Fisher and his recruiting because, I mean, obviously he knows him from, you know, Wuga getting uh, recruited and just that connection the two have. And he mentioned kind of like subphrasing how, you know, it's kind of been a problem at Temple when it comes to like building that connection with local recruits. And that's just, you know, was his perspective and maybe other coaches feel differently, but he felt like there wasn't that rapport necessarily between Temple staff and kind of building those deeper connections with the, you know, the kids who were in the city getting recruited. So I think maybe that part, you know, they didn't, they weren't able to land, you know, some of the better recruits from the city. And I know that might be tough because, you know, a lot of them might want to go outside and have different opportunities, but, you know, they weren't able to keep a lot of talented players within their own backyard. And Adam Fisher is a guy that, you know, Rick Perez, when I talked to him, said he's done that for 10 years and I don't think Temple was able to do that. And two, we just seen this team over the last four years with Aaron McKee. They were, you know, on all four seasons, I don't think they were ever able to, you know, to develop an offensive identity. Mm -hmm. Every single year, I thought it was an issue. Zach Hicks couldn't really find a role. Brandon Barry, I know Javon talks about that one all the time. They couldn't really incorporate him. They never had enough scoring. I feel like they were too reliant on Caleb Battle and Damian Dunn to play hero ball or have a game where they could go off for 30 to help you win, but they never had a consistently, you know, good offense that can move it around and get everyone involved. And I think that was really their downfall because I thought defensively they played good, you know, over the last few seasons, but you can say, you know, defense wins championships, but at the end of the day, college basketball, you got to score. And I just don't think they were ever able to score enough. They never really 
you know, develop those guys. And I feel like there's a few guys, you know, that never took that next step. Zach Hicks, you know, being one of them, although he, he seems like he still has a lot of potential. Uh, Julia White never really developed offensively. And you know, maybe some of this is that, you know, fans and other people overvalued what they were going to be. But I think player development was another issue. Like your job as a coach is to develop these guys and they just never really panned out the full, you know, like to reach their ceilings and it hasn't happened yet. So, so here's, here's what I'll say to that. Would they have been better if they had kept Stevie Mitchell and Eric Dixon at Temple? Sure, right? Like, sure, those are starting guys for NCAA tournament level teams, whatever. I I hate buying the argument of, oh, they weren't able to get good enough players. When you're watching their entire roster, Jamil Reynolds is gonna go, has, could go to Kansas, go to UCF. Caleb Battle is going to go to Kansas, UCF. Damian Dunn's going to get six figures of NIL money and go to an ACC or a Big E school, like, Nick Jordan, a guy who like struggled to stay in the rotation at Temple, just transferred to the conference champions. Like clearly they were able to get talent into this program. And it Katie, by no means am I coming at you with this. I think it's just like that's kind of become what people have been echoing. Like, oh, they just weren't able to get talent. Yeah, they were. They they had a this is this last year's team was a very talented team. Mm-hmm. They had talent on the roster. The question is, why didn't it click? I think a lot of it was maybe that locker room wasn't as strong as they thought it, I thought it could be. They got like, whenever they'd get punched in the mouth, they would crumble for four games and they would take them a while to kind of straighten it out. Um, maybe certain players were bad influences on that locker. Did they have some bad luck? Absolutely. They had some bad luck. Like Caleb Bell going down uh, last season, like while he was playing the best ball of his life up to that point was a bad stroke of luck. Like, but in the end, I think it was a combination of off the court stuff them not being able to forge a strong enough like culture and identity to kind of overcome that off the court stuff and the lack of an offensive identity solely falls on the coaching staff. But as for just like, Oh, they couldn't get guys in the program. I just, I just don't agree with that. Yeah. I also don't give a shit if people are from Philly. Like I don't care. I don't care if the player is from Philly that's scoring 22 points a game or if he's from Missouri or if he's from New York, like I don't care. And Mm -hmm. I think that's less important now than it was in like the eighties, nineties, early two thousands when you're watching the Atlantic 10 on Comcast Sportsnet. Like everything now is global. Everything now is national streaming. Players are moving around like it's free agency. I don't, I don't care as much of where from where uh where a player is. And then AAU coaches love to like chime that, like, oh, they need to really keep the kids home. And it's it's never a two-way street. Rarely, I guess we I guess we would say. No, I, I agree with that. I mean, this was their, and I think any of the coaches on that staff would tell you this was their year and they just flat out didn't get it done. They they had the pieces. And I, I think Kyle touched on a lot of the key points there. It was chemistry. Caden mentioned a lack of offensive identity. All that, all that stuff is true. I mean, they were truly, truly, truly capable of beating anybody and losing to anybody. I mean, it's it's one of the more unique seasons I've ever covered. I mean, it's, it is kind of wild to think that we are mere weeks removed and I'm not, of course, ignoring the the Maryland Eastern Shore loss and the Wagner loss, but we're not that far removed from them going on the road and beating Houston. And then just another thing too that 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 undid here is the throw something. I, I, I want to throw something in about that Houston game. Um, good win against a clear cut top twenty five team in the country. Mm-hmm. However. I think March proved that at no point in time this year was Houston actually worthy of a number one seed, actually the best team in the country. 
that that Memphis game, bad taste. The way they went out in the tournament, bad taste. They were banged and, up. And a lot there. of people, a lot of people are jumping on Bob Huggins for his comments about Houston. But he's right. You're, you're not running through the American Athletic Conference anymore. You're going to a Big 12 whose worst two teams are Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. Where if you put them in any other Power Six conference, they're getting into the tournament. You put them in the American, they're winning that conference. So Houston's going from that weak-ass conference schedule they were playing to that down there in the Big 12. We're just going to change how we view that program a lot. And we will see how their non-conference schedule goes. I wouldn't be shocked if it starts getting very easier because of who they have to play in the Big 12 tourney. And they need to maintain their reputation as a, a false powerhouse. Yeah, but... So, with that so being what said... What the hell are we talking about? I don't with, know what with, that, with that being do. said, With that being said, I'm coming around the corner here. With that being said, the Houston win was good. However... Not as good, good as people think. They beat, matter of they fact, beat Virginia. Matter of fact, and I they wrote beat... the story on it for the Temple News. I said at the time, it's not as big as people think. Because the Cougars beat themselves way more than the Owls beat the Cougars. Uh, I think you're being way... So I'm not going to keep holding on to that you're being. I think you're being a contrarian for the sake of being a contrarian. I'm they not, beat Virginia. So, they beat Virginia. So they beat Virginia at Virginia. They beat Oregon at Oregon. They beat St. Mary's on a neutral court. They lost to Alabama by like three points. Like for them, for you to pretend that they were just this paper tiger that all of a sudden got 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 once they got to the tournament. Like, that's not true. They were banged up once they got to the NCAA tournament. Yes, they lost to Memphis. They're still won like 65 games over the last two years. They are a marquee program. I just feel like they Was got... it all of a sudden, was it like, hey, Temple's also the number two team in the nation? Like, no, I think it was more reflective of like any team in the nation this year can be beat. And Temple had the talent to beat them on the road in the hostile environment. I just feel like Houston got soft once conference play began. That's but it. That had... They lost a little bit of dog in them. Well, they, again, they, they went 17 and one in conference. Yeah, that shows how bad the conference is. Memphis was the only team worth giving a damn about this year. Yeah, I, I, they get I, soft I if they so. won every game but the Temple game. I don't think so. I think too. Uh, again, did the American put four or five teams in the tournament? No, but the top half of the league was still pretty good. My, my John, point, what, what, what? In what year has Ron Hunter's Tulane team learned the meaning of defense? Yeah, they'll score 70, but they'll give up 76. Yeah, right. We are UCF, so Johnny Dawkins off. can't put together consistency. We are so far off track. We are so far off track here. The bottom line is they went down on the road, however they did it, and outmuscled the number one team in the country on the road. That's a huge deal. What I was going to say is another thing that plagued them in the McKee era is poor, poor finishes down the stretch, which also goes back to coaching. My, my thing with Aaron, and again, people are going to think that I say this for the sake of saying it as a reporter. I still think Aaron is a hell of a coach. I think Fran Dunphy's a hell of a coach. I think that Aaron ultimately, for what he really wants to do, probably would have been a very, very good college head coach in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s. And, and I think that sometimes former NBA guys can run out of steam at the end when they want it to be the way they want it to be. And you know, I think he worked really hard. I think he knows the game, but again, ultimately a lot of that stuff, the player development, the poor finishes that, that ultimately means that you as a staff could not figure it out at the end. And I think Kyle brings up a really good point. Again, they had good enough talent for, for the guys that are in the portal right now and the options they have or potentially have shows you that they have the pieces that they, 
that they needed and they just couldn't get it done. And another thing I think we talked about during the year, on one hand, we'll say, well, you can't win things through a press conference, but there were, I mean, there were times throughout the year and I forget Javon, if you said it or Kyle, if you said it like that, that locker room, maybe not had, maybe it wasn't as strong as it could have been, or it was fractured at the, at the, at the very least. I mean, there were a lot of, I don't want to say leaks coming out of that locker room, but a lot of like, we lost our focus. We're not together right now. We're not this, we're not that stuff that you when Zach Hicks have. and Hashir Miller, when, when Zach Hicks and Hashir Miller, the two most quiet guys on the team mm-hmm. had a press conference that pretty much called out everything wrong with that locker room. Mm-hmm. I knew things were going downhill because those are the last two you expect that from. So mm-hmm. that was interesting. I wouldn't want to throw in there before you get back to your point. Um, because you made a good point with the NBA guys and you know, coaches wanting things to be the way they are. It's worth noting that Aaron himself walked away, which is something we're seeing in the landscape of college basketball right now. I'm not saying Aaron McKee is Mike Shersevsky. I'm not saying he's Roy Williams. I'm not saying he's Jay Wright. But those that those three are examples of guys seeing the direction of college basketball, where it's heading, and it's like, you know what? It's just not for me anymore. I'm getting out. And you look at Aaron, his basketball track record, played at Simon Gratz, was coached by John Chaney, was coached by Larry Brown, coached by Phil Jackson, learned how to coach from Fran Dunphy. There ain't much new school you're going to mix into that. Like, those four guys are, they epitomize old school basketball. Yeah. Old Don't school. you leave out Doug Collins in this. Yeah, oh, Doug, Doug Collins. Collins. I'll yeah. throw Dougie Collins in yeah. there. So it's like those guys epitomize old morals, old principles, old fundamentals, old everything. There's only so much new school you're going to be able to implement into Aaron, which is part of the reason I attribute to him stepping away. Like, you know what? I'm better suited as an advisor. I can help the program better off the bench than on the bench, essentially pulling a Brad Stevens. And, I mean, he assisted with the search. He's still around. He's very much a part of the program. Um, I'll say this again for the last time, like I've been telling everybody on Twitter. I've put it in stories a few times by now. Like, that special advisor role, to me, I don't think that's made up. I think that is really – he might not get paid for it after this year, but Aaron McKee is always going to be around Temple, and he's always going to be a phone call away for Arthur Johnson. He may not have that title after this year. (laughs) <laughs> the second that contract runs out he might not have access to the building anymore but yeah it's fine i honestly javon i really appreciate you like dying on this hill to be quite frank like i got i can legitimately appreciate like you're just going to bat for this because i was like oh i don't know if i'd be so steadfast in that like we don't know yet we're just hearing what people are saying it's one we'll thing see, to- yeah you will definitely yeah. see but it it every indication to me seems like no nah, this is this is genuine mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Javon essentially answered the second part of that of that mailbag question there. Next one here, the screen name is Constitution Al. How has this hire been received by former players? I think generally speaking, the fan base is pretty excited, but I'm curious how those closest to the program feel about it. I mean, I think you could see a lot of positive feedback on Twitter. Will Cummings was tweeting about it, saying, see y'all in the summer, love this energy. Deontay Christmas tweeted about it. Mark Williams tweeted about it. Uh, Deontay Christmas wants to be on the staff. He does. He told us on the school. Yeah. Um, Texted with Shiz a little bit, our newest subscriber. Shiz is great. 
Uh, Shiz was uh, texting back and forth with me. He said, I like his energy. We haven't had someone like that before, so I think he will be good. I'm glad that he kept Chris Clark on the staff too. Good connection to the alumni. I uh, still think it might be hard for him to keep some Philly guys to stay home. Interested to see who stays from last year's team, but overall, really impressed. Uh, and then we'll play this clip for you here, too. Uh, I had a chance to talk to Lynn Greer yesterday near the end of the press conference. I was able to catch up with Lynn. Al Scoop subscribers can hear that entire interview in the coming days on the site. But we'll play this clip. You know, Lynn got there, you know, toward the toward the end of the presser. He was telling me, hey, I just got here. But uh, here's a clip from my conversation with Lynn where he's weighing in on the hire. I mean, as a former player, what do you what do you think of the hire? I mean, you've been in the area. Your son's still playing in the area. What did you think of the press conference today? Um, well, you know, I'm a li- I'm a lifelong owl, man. So whoever's in this position, just here to support, be a resource, be a mentor to the guys. So uh, I'm happy for uh, for Adam, man, and you know, just want to see Temple succeed. Mm-hmm. What is it like? I mean, when people refer to when they say Temple has to get back to what it was before, you were part of what it was before and like I mean Dump got them to the tournament but you guys were getting to the Elite Eight people talk about you as one of those memorable players I know the game has changed but like what do you think obviously beyond like the wins the losses and the recruiting what's missing what does Adam have to like recapture here uh, just, a, just a winning culture mm-hmm. you know it was times that we lost games we didn't have such successful seasons but our culture was winning our effort was winning and um, in the long run, the wins added up. All right. So, again, just a reminder that you can hear that entire interview if you're an Alscoop.com subscriber. Lynn and I talked about a bunch of other stuff, his memories of playing at Temple. And one of the things we talked about is he's one of those guys from that team when people say Temple has to get back to what it was before the last time Temple was making serious runs in March, particularly that 2001 team that went to the Elite Eight. Lynn was part of that team. So a lot of good stuff there from Lynn. Appreciate him making some time for me yesterday. The next question here, the screen name is what, what to you? Is there a timeline slash date with the transfer, with the uh, the transfer portal that you expect or required by the NCAA that will have this roster more concrete with who will be on it? Fisher said at the presser that they've been on the recruiting trail already. Would you expect any commitment soon? Great coverage as always. Real quick. Arthur that, said that, that, um, no, sorry, that line about the recruiting trail is like, that's just him saying we've been calling people a lie. It's been right, a dead right, period right. since he was hired like he hasn't been out like he was at the final four to support mm-hmm. miami and then since then like he's been back then i was going to point out arthur said that uh aaron mckee was doing some recruiting also i guess that's a hey zach hi sir nick well i think there was, there was like a week or two after aaron was dismissed slash resigned slash whatever that like it was still an open period it's like he could have been talking but like since fisher's gotten the job like he's not allowed to go on the recruiting trail would there be a, uh, any do you expect any commitments soon? Yeah, I think in the coming days, we'll start to hear some news about portal additions and maybe even some portal retentions. So, yes, I would I, say so. I think he's like, at what point in the summer, whatever, would you start to think like, okay, you have a concrete, th- concrete idea? Right. I'd say probably May ish, June. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jamil Reynolds didn't join the uh, roster until end of April or in May last year. I would think. With like the calendar being the way it is, the calendar being the uh, recruiting calendar, not the Gregorian calendar, I would say <laughs> like you would start to see visits in the next couple of weeks. Like they have a lot of open scholarships. They have guys that they want to keep. They have guys that are going to leave. They're going to have a lot of a lot of guys in and out of campus over the next three four weeks. Because mm-hmm. um, like it started like today's Thursday, 
by the time you guys listen to this, like it'll be an open period again that only lasts this weekend. And then it's nothing during the week. And then it's open for like two weeks and it's back and forth. And you start getting into like Philly live territory and it's going to be a hectic time for Adam Fisher for a couple of months. Yep. Next question comes from the screening Villanova fan 35. What are the chances that Damian Dunn stays? What would they have been if McKee was retained? Uh, I, I, barring a minor miracle, Dame's gone. Everything we're hearing is yeah, that he's 0. gone. percent. Yeah. Would they, what would they have been if Aaron McKee was retained? I think if Aaron McKee was retained, I think Damian Dunn probably would have stayed. Yeah. I think they probably would have yeah. found a way to figure it out. 75%. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next question from Colleen. Nick Good. Jordan comes back if Aaron stays too. Think so? I think so. Hmm. Nick Jordan, of course, said Nick, again, back to Kyle's point, Nick Jordan has kind of, well, not even kind of, has very much shown some flashes of his potential. Penny Hardaway thinks he's good enough to be at Memphis. He committed to Memphis out of the portal. So apparently uh, he said he's ready to rain threes down over there. I don't know if that's um, such a oh, good Nick, no. Yeah, like, buddy, you, you, you had two years. They gave you two years to try to rain three is Nick down. Tra- is, Nick tra- tra- say, is, just... is Nick trying to claim he didn't have a green light here? Because I've seen Nick Drenay yeah, shoot a lot of threes. Yeah. Yes. Um, like, buddy, you had the green light up here. It didn't go. You're, you're about to be the athletic, long arm, long legs, six, eight, small ball center. Just be ready to protect the rim, catch some lobs, set some screens. Which hell, if your goal was to just shoot threes, maybe you should have waited a couple more days. Adam Fisher just wants you to shoot threes. So you would have been able to shoot seven, eight, nine threes a game here if you stuck around. Yeah, I mean, he told Manuel Pomo he's going to have to start shooting them. So, man. Which was funny. Yeah. We'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. see if he keeps that uh, mentality yeah. by the time November comes. <laughs> um, the next uh, question here, the screen name is from Kaleem Goodman. Thoughts on the staff and and who else would you try to hire? What do you think about Fisher's mindset to becoming a high three-point shooting team, which Javad just mentioned? Thoughts on the staff? So far, I think it's a staff that that makes a lot of sense. You know, Michael Kuger, a guy that will probably be his associate head coach. They work together at Miami, has eight years of head coaching experience in Bowling Green. He's got recruiting connections in New York where he grew up. He's got recruiting connections all over the country. Chris, I, I think it's a big deal to get Chris to stay. I, I understand why some fans might say, hey, you got to wipe the slate clean, start over again. Chris is institutional knowledge for you. And I, I think it'll be an exciting thing for Chris. I think that that Chris, you know, I, I thought it was interesting that Shiz said we haven't had someone with that type of energy before. And, you know, I think that Aaron McKee and Fran Dunphy are a little bit more similar than people would think. I think we've been saying that for years Adam Fisher comes across as the type of guy who is saying, I don't mean this in any sort of like mischievous type of way, but we'll do whatever it takes to win. He's going to be a forward facing guy, a high energy guy. Uh, Let's try this type of guy. And again, that's not to imply that Aaron and Fran don't know the game very well at a high level, but this could be a good shot in the arm for Chris. I think Chris is going to maybe get some more opportunity here to have more of a say in the offense to get, even more, not to say that he didn't have an input with recruiting and he wasn't a really, really hard worker along with Jimmy Fennerty as recruiters, but I think it's going to be a good thing for Chris. And Bobby uh, Bobby Jordan, very, very energetic, very well-connected recruiter. Again, things fell through with Matt Brady. We'll see what happens with some of the, you know, the off-the-bench roles here. I wouldn't be totally surprised if they bring in a guy with AAU ties, and that's the type of thing I think you'd, you'd want to see. Uh, you guys, thoughts on the thoughts on the staff? Anything you want to add? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you say yeah? Yeah, I think it's a you know good staff. Like you, John, I think it's good to keep Chris Clark. At least you have that you know 
familiarity with you know the university and i think michael hugger is a guy who have head coaching experience he's been there and done that and although arthur johnson talked about how yesterday one of the breakout sessions that his inexperience has as a head coach wasn't really a factor i think it's still nice that you have a guy there that you know had an above 500 record at bowling green was a top assistant at miami he's got a good track record uh and uh, he's done some recruiting in Philly as well. And then John, like you, you mentioned, Bobby Jordan, you know, uh, he's also been, you know, from the area, has a Temple connection because of Dwayne Killing. So I think they did a really good job. And I don't think, you know, for a first staff, I think it's, you know, all you could have asked for. Bobby Jordan, I was supposed to call him Bobby Fisher. Bobby Jordan, um, I'm just glad he's on the staff so, like, we can finally figure out, like, what Bobby Jordan can do at Temple. Because we've been hearing about Bobby Jordan at Temple. For a long time, long now. time, yeah. Like before yeah. he went down to IMG, before he even came back up into the college game. Like he's kind of been one of those like rumored, like oh yeah, like the the spot that went to Jimmy on Aaron's uh, Aaron's staff was like Bobby Fisher. Bobby Jordan was very clearly <laughs> in the mix there. Um, Javon Kane, do you know who Bobby Fisher is? No, no, he's an old old chess player, he's very famous, yeah. terrible Chessman. person terrible person um <laughs> yeah so i mean i think that's interesting i am very curious to what chris clark's going to be able to do with like uh more of like an energetic coach because i mean in the end like regardless of what she, how you want to coach a team like assistant wise and how you want to recruit and how you want to use the portal and what you want to do to get guys you can't do that without the support of your, your head coach mm-hmm. so like if your head coach is like no we're going to do things the way we did it so and so like there's only so much you can do um and like it'll be nice to see him just like okay you let you let the restrictor play off let's see what you can do i can't tell you i was super familiar with huger prior to the last you know couple weeks once it became pretty obvious that he was going to come to temple but just like on paper that makes sense to me like power five assistant former head coach regionally local like it it checks all the boxes of somebody you would want um for like a first year head coach and then now that matt brady's not coming i'm going to be particularly curious as to like do they tap the the huger well there where like huger had three assistants at bowling green or any of them going to be off the roll guys are you gonna go the aau route with somebody like brandon williams or somebody from team final or something like that like there's i think the staff is a b plus a minus right now i think Mm -hmm. i think it's legitimately pretty good Mm -hmm. yeah maybe fans will start the, the the Andre Noble chatter again, you know, or or I'll go on a Miguel Boca Chica campaign again. Mm-hmm. You can go or on a Deontay, Miguel Boca Chica campaign for a minute, <laughs> or Deontay Christmas can can restart his campaign or something mm-hmm. like. That. Yeah, that's also. I mean, look to his credit, McKee did stuff like that too, right? Like Jalen Bond, Brian, uh, Ryan Brooks, they were all like graduate managers underneath him. Like he tried to keep that like pipeline going of former assistants or sorry, former athletes. So like, I'll be curious like if Fisher does that with a Cleef Wyatt or a Deontay Christmas or. Yep. Something like that. Yeah, Leaf yeah, was the next one I was getting to. Um, yes, at Westchester. Yeah. This this second part of this question, John. I, I think wanted to, I got it. Yeah, I response. wanted to switch this one around for you too because I think there was I think there was some good conversation about this on our message board and that part. Again, just to restate this question, what do you think about Fisher's mindset to becoming a high three point shooting team? I think, and again, this is what it is for right now. I think when fans hear that at first, they think, well. Isn't that exactly what Aaron McKee said when he got here? Play loose. We want to push the tempo. I do think that that Adam, and then I'll kind of defer this to to you, Javon. I think Adam did a better job of explaining yesterday what he meant by that. I think there were a few people on our message board who said like, well, I don't know. That sounds like there's no, that sounds like there's no structure on offense. I don't know that I really like took it that way. I think he did a better job 
of explaining what he meant by that, but I will defer to you on this one, Javon. So he's got the track record for this. Yes, Penn State set their school record for, uh, I want to say, threes made this year. And I think he said attempted threes in the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, that's cool. However, the whole I don't want point guards, I don't want shooting guards, I don't want small forwards, power forwards, centers. I want five basketball players. Sort of cliche, yeah. right? I, yeah, and I hate that crap in today's basketball. Listen, the bottom line is, despite what Jalen Rose may say to Skip Bayless, the positions are there for a reason. You need a facilitator. You need an isolation score. You need a catch-and-shoot guy that can defend. You need someone who can rebound, stretch the floor, and get his hands dirty down low. And you need somebody who can finish at the rim and protect the rim and, 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 and rebound, okay? You need real centers. You need space out power forwards. You need a 3 and D wing. You need an isolation scoring wing. You need a facilitator at the point guard spot. I, I'm not I, I'm not a fan of, you know, yeah, let's go ahead and put Zach Hicks at the center and let him go bombs away. I'm sorry. You're going to lose some basketball games like that. There, There's big men named Adamas Sonogo and, and Hunter Dickinson roaming the country, okay? And Hunter Dickinson, wink, wink. I'm pretty sure he's probably going down to Maryland. So, you know, guys in the region that you can look to, and it's like, oof, you're going to need some big bodies, okay? Like a Jamil Reynolds. Sonogo very... shoots threes. Yeah, but, like, he predominantly <laughs> works on the block. You know where I'm going at, Kyle. I've got no problem with a big man that can step out. Oh, I love me a Chris Stapps Porzingis, you know? But, like, you know, get me. I love me an Embiid. I love me a Nikola Jokic, you know? I it love can't, be, it can't be the Davis. staple of their game. It can be yeah. uh, an accessory. I get like, that. You, mm -hmm. Having a Jamil Reynolds is a pretty good thing to have. Keep your 6'10", 6'11 guy on the block, and then let him step out some once he starts going. But... No, you're still going to need a big, Adam. You don't need Jalen Pickett guarding the big man. Because trust me, I watched that Purdue game. It didn't go your way for too long. I watched a few Penn State games. That's not always the best. There are some teams, like a Tulane, who doesn't know how to defend, that you can get away with it. There's some small teams out there, like a, I don't know if I'd call Florida Atlantic small, but they're not the biggest team in the world. Yeah, what's his name? What, from Texas Tech? Um, The Russian. Yeah, but... Like, Golden, like yeah. there, there's some teams you can get away with it for, and I've got no problem with it. That's situational coaching. That's great. And I trust his basketball mind enough to believe that he knows that. Mm -hmm. Just don't get carried away with the positionless basketball crap because the bottom line is there's no such thing as positional basketball. You can give me a team that you think is successful and it's positionless, and I can shut that argument down immediately. Yeah, I have no qualms with hey we're gonna let it rain from three and we're gonna shoot a lot of threes because like there's a lot of teams that win that way right yeah. like you like penn state almost won the big 10 uconn shoots a lot of threes um i think fau was like top 15 in the nation and shooting threes like all that stuff is fine fau it, made it so far in the tournament they couldn't protect the ball to save their lives but the three ball got them all the way to the final sure. four so like yeah no, use it definitely the difference is you gotta make them though because like yes. Temple this year was top 60 in the nation and shooting threes. They shot a lot of threes. They were like 110th in making threes because they were just volume three-point shooters that were shooting like 31%. Like if if you're telling me like, hey, look, as a team, we're going to shoot 37, 38, 40% from three, but we're going to shoot a lot, then like, great. You're going to win a lot of games. There's also teams out there that we just went to the final four with shooting no threes. Like San Diego State was like bottom third in the nation in shooting threes. Same with Miami, which is interesting because Laranega kind of shifted away from that once Fisher left. Um, 
I'm fine with it. I understand why people are attracted to it. I mean, analytically, right? It makes more sense. Um, but yeah, I'll be you gotta get guys that can make threes first. It'll be more curious of I think if you're Zach Hicks, you're yeah. kind of like, I want to shoot threes, but I just dealt with two years of this. Well, let's just be all flowy and hope the ball gets to Zach thing. Like, I want you to run some set plays to get me open. So yeah. I'll be curious what they do in the half court. I'm glad you said those two words, set and please, because he said something that sent me to basketball heaven yesterday. He said, we'll have some plays and we'll have sets. But I want it to the point where these guys learn how to play the game of basketball and they can get into their sets by themselves without looking over at me all game long. Yeah. Thank God. I speak in my language right there. Lord Mm -hmm. have I feel like there's so many so-called basketball coaches out there right now who don't understand. You're supposed to teach your guys the game to the point where you don't have to be on the sideline calling plays all game long. Pat Riley had it right. I'm just let y'all learn how to play. And when we get in the squeeze, then I'll tell you what to go to. Oh, that spoke volumes to me. I was in heaven when I heard that. Well, I think that was the part. I think that's the part that has to go hand in hand with this answer. I don't think he was talking about just letting them loose. Like that part where he's like, I don't want my guys to have, have to constantly be looking over at me. So uh, we did have one last basketball mailbag question here before we finish things out with some football talk. From Fontaine Street to you. Didn't you live on Fontaine Street, Kyle? I sure did. Was, 16, was, it, was, was I 1609? That's my current address. What the hell? Do you have, a, do you have another, do you have another <laughs> account on Scoop? What the hell was my, was I 1609? I was six, I think I was 1609. I should probably know this. I lived there for a year. Never no, was. It was not 1609. Kyle has something in common potentially with Fontaine Street to you, one of our loyal subscribers. What's it going to take for the administration to openly and publicly discuss? 1629. I lived at 1629, in case you're wondering. 1629 Fontaine Street. So maybe Fontaine Street to you, maybe you and Kyle can be up at some point. I think actually, I don't think he subscribes anymore. A subscriber once like revealed to us on our boards that he rented the same house as me in college. He's like, oh, I lived on Fontaine Street. What number were you? I was like, 1629. He's like, oh, crap, me too. Like a couple generations apart, we lived in the same house. Hmm. Well, again, his question, what's it going to take for the administration to openly and publicly discuss an IL. Well, I think a couple things here. You have a head coach now, a new head coach who openly and publicly discussed it yesterday. If if you are of the opinion that Temple got off to a very slow start with it, fine, totally hear you on that. I think they're starting to become a lot more intentional with it now, tweeting stuff about it, tweeting direct links to how you can get involved with a collective. I mean, I think they're heading in that direction unless I'm – Unless I'm missing something here. No, you're right. You 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 got it. I mean, you, they put the links to contact the players for yeah. NIL opportunities on the website. Yeah. Um, I think they're running works. fun commercials at the Leah Chorus Center. Uh, yeah. I mean, I also think too that you know I think that that Adam and Arthur Johnson did a good enough job of kind of hedging things where they talk about NIL, they're acknowledging it. But they're also saying, like, look, we want guys here. We know that's part of the game. We'll address it. But we also want guys here for reasons beyond that. We have to coach these guys up. We have to develop them. You know, we were having some conversations with with people who were in the game yesterday who were talking about how some of these guys are getting dollar promises that are not adding up at other schools. And it's still a slippery slope where they'll talk to somebody and a kid will sign up and say, hey, I thought I was getting X, Y, Z here. And they get there. 
and it doesn't pan out the way they wanted to. So I think when Adam Fisher and Arthur Johnson say, like if Arthur Johnson says, hey, NIL wasn't like the chief focus of our interview, instead of being a hyperactive fan and saying, oh my God, that's terrible. I think you have to kind of take that for what it's worth and say, it has to go beyond that. But I don't think they're really putting their heads in the sand about it. Let's uh, let's close well, things up. Oh, go I, ahead. I think there's two things there. I think one of the more important things is what they say behind closed doors. I think like not saying like they need to go to a booster and be like, you need to give us X amount of money to keep this person. But I think it's more just like if I'm a booster of Temple and I'm like not getting that call from action from somebody in administration or the coaching staff or anything like that, and I'm just hearing from people at the tough line or something, then like there's less demand for me to actually do it. So like it sounds like they're getting more supportive of things like that. And Fisher's more proponent for that. I think the way that Temple is successfully uses NIL is not going to be like, we came across X amount of money and we bought this four-star player and now he's here. I think the way that Temple has to use NIL is we got this guy based upon sheer recruiting. We developed him into like an all-conference level player and we were able to get him enough money to prevent him from being poached is I think the way that Temple has yeah. to kind of like work is like, let's pretend that everything was neutral and there was no coaching staff and Damian Dunn was starting to hear rumbles from people and like Temple was able to like, hey, the tough one's kind of able to help you out, blah, blah, and we were able to keep you here instead of you just becoming, hey, there's no resistance and we're literally just a AAA team and anytime a player becomes good, they're just going to go. So I don't want to set the picture that Temple's ever going to be out there like winning bidding wars for five-star guys coming out of high school because I don't see it unless some miracle billionaire shakes free like out of nowhere and decides he wants to play like GM. Um, but otherwise it's just like, Hey, you just gotta give, you gotta be enough to at least be competitive in it, to be able to keep the guys that like you developed. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's how it's supposed to be used in general. That's, that's sure. where this thing should have went. Like, no, go do your own clean recruiting, actually do your job instead of buying a kid and selling them on some false hope. Mm -hmm. And then, okay. You're better than we, well, you're better than the rest of the country thought, but guess what? We saw it in you. We recruited you. We believed in you from day one. So take us at a right. discount to stay home. Right. And like, and like, we love you. And when we want you to be looked after, like, we don't want you to do this for free. Like we're able to try to help ends meet, but like in the end, like, yeah, there should be like a, a hometown discount where it's like, nah, like, okay, maybe get to like 65%, 65, 70% of what this random school out West is giving me. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think that's the reality with most. No. Uh, oh, most hell no. <laughs> no. Let's uh, let's close out the pod this week talking about some football again. As I said at the outset of the show, things have obviously been, for for good reason, very basketball centric on the pod over the last few weeks with the coaching search and Adam Fisher being higher. There is a Jerry and White spring football game Saturday. We've been covering, continuing to cover spring football again. A lot of good content on the site. Got a story up about um, about Dwan Mathis, which I think we have a. I think we have a mailbag question about that. Johnny Zwizlak just did a story on Dewan Mathis and what he's doing at wide receiver What's his now. Name? John Zwizlak. He's been he's been uh, sending stories over to us as John Zwizlak and not Johnny Zwizlak. Although J Javon said that maybe it's John Capital E. No, 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 no. Like, like his name. It, no, that's like a real thing. Like it's a wordplay thing. His name is John E. Zwizlak. Well, that is a real thing. Like, by Johnny. It's a good wordplay thing. He didn't even notice it, so I pointed it out to him. Oh, so like Chuck E. Cheese, like Chuck yeah, E. Cheese. And now everybody calls him Chucky. You know, what's, yeah. his middle, what's his middle name? Should I put his government information out there like hey, that? His government information. It's not like you're sharing. But when, when we're done recording, I'll tell you his full Earl, government, but Earl, know. Edmund, Edgar, Eric. Um, you're not Esmeralda. breaking. Me, you're not breaking me on this one. 
Okay, how many letters? I'm not giving you any how many letters. Yeah, Kyle, I will tell you. How many? I can just find. I'm just gonna find out. Let's see if I can just sleuth it. Yeah, when we finish recording, I'll let you know. But I don't know. You know, all of our subscribers. You know, we might have some creeps out there who tried to take his identity or something. Javon getting he, Javon will go on rants about certain things, but he's very, very protective about Johnny's Wizlax. Yeah, yeah. I, I can appreciate it. All right, By anyway. the way, for our subscribers, though, for all of you who keep coming up to me, John, Caden, whenever Kyle leaves the bunker, um, never. How if, much you, if anybody comes up to me and tells me they're a fan of Al Scoop, I just leave. Like, I'm done with the situation. <laughs> but yeah, for those of you who do it to me, John, and Caden, we appreciate it. Make shout days. Continue with the support and the uh, sub subscriptions and all that stuff and keep telling friends to tell friends to subscribe to our content. Wait, wait, Kyle, isn't that, that's not, well, I'm kind of like, oh, of course taking... that's not the case. I'm, I'm just as big of an ego, if not bigger than anybody. Well, what, what's the story? And I think you've shared it on the pod before. It wasn't like someone said you were from Al Scoop, you and Meg, Rip Fox and the Hound. And this well, girl said, are, are you Kyle Gauss? And you were like, oh yes, I am. Did you just ask me to tell a story and then told the entire story? That's um, a part of it. <laughs> I was on oh, some like TV spot or something like that day. And then we went to the Fox and Hound and a woman, a girl came up and tapped me on the shoulder and said, are you Kyle Gauss? And I said, yeah, I am. I said, you dropped your, you dropped your ID. It was on the ground and handed me my driver's license. Ah. Like, oh. I obviously was not watching like six ABC or whatever the hell I was on. I was on like something that was like big enough. That I'm like, oh, maybe some people saw me. And then no, <laughs> that would crush my ego. Like some chick just comes up to me at the bar. Hey, are you Javon Edmonds? I'm like, well, yeah, yes, I am. Here's your ID. She's like, like, oh, okay. she's like, I hear that you hate all types of beer. And she just starts roasting you at the bar. Chances of that <laughs> happening at Caden are high to very high. Caden, as we know, drops his the contents of his wallet more than anybody we know, right? Oh, yeah. We talked about that at breakfast oh, yeah. today. He's like, you've dropped your debit card probably like six times around, John. John is very anti-debit card. I've, I've realized that. You're not that supposed to him. use your debit card. You're not supposed to use your debit card. Your debit card, that's your money. If you lose your debit card and they take it out, like that money doesn't just come back tomorrow. Yeah. Credit card, they'll just they'll just dispute the charges. And that's I mean, our money. That's our financial one hundred and one. Should be building credit. Should be building credit anyway. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Adam Shire, Temple special teams coordinator and tight ends coach, spoke today again that there's been a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday schedule to the spring football media availability. We've got uh, Max's story will be up on the site talking about today's news and notes from that. I uh, reiterated the Cam Price as of now as the team's place kicker. And as we expected, it looks like the Purdue transfer, Chris Van Eckeren, will be the kickoff specialist. Adam was talking about how Van Eckeren was, I think, 63% on touchbacks a year ago at Purdue and said that would limit other teams' return opportunities. So that was a priority for them in the portal. And again, we've got stories on, on Dewan Mathis, a ton of spring football coverage throughout these last several weeks. We're not going to delve too, too much into this. And we got a mailbag question from Pat. So, again, let's provide some context here. I know people are looking forward to the cherry and white game on the hook. The weather is going to be on Saturday. But, um, guys, what, what are we reasonably looking for out of Saturday? Like, other than, you know, we'll ask for player health updates, injuries, keeping an eye out for former players who come to the game. But knowing that the team, and I think fans sometimes need a reminder on this, that the team doesn't show much. There's a reason why we don't get access to watching spring ball we used to on certain occasions you could see who was running out for a second team we've talked in the past about how a lot of guys will put up good numbers in the spring game and it doesn't always translate into august and the following season but sylvester mathis yeah sylvester mathis yeah had a good yeah. Had, a, had a good game but what, what can we reasonably look for 
out of covering Saturday, knowing that both the the, the offense and the defense are going to be watered down. They're not going to show much. What, what are you guys looking for out of Saturday? What can we glean from Saturday, if anything? No, like you said, who's healthy. If Quincy Patterson has learned how to throw a better football. If playing DeJuan some, playing some is, special teams, by the way. Yeah, if DeJuan, Mathis is a, if DeJuan Mathis is a better route runner, uh, it, how the alumni are doing and what they're up to. Um, if the security guard has learned who Kurt Warner is by now, uh, if Quincy Roche's name is back on the number nine plaque in Edinburgh Olsen Hall, mm-hmm. um, and I have to try that barbecue truck this year. If it's there again, I have to get it because that is probably the worst thing I've done to myself in the past year is not treat myself to that barbecue truck last Did year. Did you eat a hot dog instead? I ate the free food. But, like, that barbecue truck smelled so good, I just swore it was going to be open by the time we left. And um, it was, but it wasn't. Like, wasn't I, there I, hail? I, I didn't didn't it hail anything. last year? There was hail. Yes, it definitely time. did. Yes. It hailed. Yeah. I have an umbrella for it this time. Is it going to rain again? Or? Um, No, it's not supposed to as of right now. It's going to be overcast, though. Yeah, overcast. Ugh. Overcast conditions here at Edward Golson Hall for Temple oh, Football. Yeah. It's 2023 spring oh, game. It's going to be so right. It's 82 degrees right now. It's going to be 52 degrees on Saturday. So I'm know. Javon Edwards with Caden Steele bringing you all the coverage. Back to you, you at the desk, Kyle. Glorified practice. Yeah. But before that, back to John and Kyle in the studio. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, I think there will be more, a little bit more to look for this year. You've got a staff that's heading into. It's second season. There's a little bit more familiarity with with the roster, with their players. Ton of mid year guys that you can look for. And again, all you can really look for is like good individual talent. Does does a guy like Kyle Williams make a cut and make somebody miss? Does EJ Wilson flash on a player two in the offensive backfield? What what does the offensive line look like? They've been very banged up. They were really banged up uh, this past season. Uh, you know, what, what does Kamar Wilcoxon look like? I think you're really just looking to see like individual flashes of individual play. And then it's just trying to see what you can get from the coaches after the game. We've been told we'll talk to Stan Drayton and a handful of, of players. And then you, like I said, you try to catch up with some alums, but you know, coaches are aware of the fact that some programs in certain conferences will send, will send people out almost like old baseball, like bird dog scouts, where they'll say, Hey, go to, Go to this team's spring game to see what you're seeing. Tell us what you're what you're looking at. So they will be. Uh, I'd be surprised. I think they have things very watered down. I think we were talking about before we started uh, recording. I think John Kincaid and Andrew Salchunas are going to be guest coaches this year from 97.5 The Fanatic. That's a nice segue into our our football mailbag question here from our friend Pat Egan from 97.5 The Fanatic, who's on the John Kincaid Morning Show. He's got a two-parter, as he always does. How is Dewan Mathis looking at wide receiver? I mean, he talked this week, and again, Johnny's Wislak has a story, or John's Wislak, Johnny's Wislak, whatever we want to call him, Jack's Wislak. Has yeah, can we just like keep it to Johnny? You know, we don't have to turn this into a bigger thing than it is. You know, he, he's still little Johnny, the innocent guy, you know? Entire Springford commencement uh, ceremony to try to get his middle name before realizing I was listening to the wrong class. I was listening to the long. Your volume's down. I can't hear you. Well, he said. Well, for those who didn't hear, Kyle said he just listened to a full spring for Johnny's <laughs> high school alma mater commencement ceremony just for it to be the wrong one. That is a commitment. he's that desperate to find that out is Johnny's a commitment. That is why, ladies and gentlemen, Kyle Gauss is one of the best reporters out there. He takes 
one nugget that that sticks in his crawl, and he says, "I'm gonna find out. I'm gonna get an answer here." But and not like stuff like that. Kyle shouldn't even be a reporter. Like, go join the police department. We need some good detectives out there. Cause like, yeah, that type of snooping is. Yeah, I think you 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 took the wrong calling in life, Kyle. Granted, I'm, I know you want to come home and see your kids and Mike. Uh, I could see Kyle in like a buddy cop movie where he's just telling jokes and throwing donuts around. I mean this in the nicest way. I am of the four of us. Can you guys hear me now? By the way, we yes. can. I am a, the, of the four of us, the least likely to be a cop. Let's just put that out there. Of that I though, I just went through. Yeah, the entire 2020 class turns out he's class of 2021. I ain't doing it. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> You would think a last name was Z. It would be like easy to find that. No, they start doing like two at a time, different parts of the yearbook. Uh, uh-uh, I'm not doing it. I was wondering what you were doing. Like you had your hand in your because I was trying to like listen like, to you, you guys. While like, also, you like, like you were in an '80s recording studio. where like, well, I need more bass there. I need more treble. Let's turn my the girl wants to party all the time. <laughs> oh, that'd be yeah, great. Vibes yeah, I'm gonna hey, find that's it. That's Caden's favorite song. Caden knows Eddie Murphy's uh, singing history very well. He has no idea. Hey, Caden, did you know Eddie Murphy had a few songs? No idea. No idea. Wow. <laughs> oh, come on, man. I get disappointed by somebody new around here every day. I mean, I don't, that song I came don't out. Eddie Murphy is a singer. That song came out before The Prostitute, right? Right? I believe so. To be fair, I wouldn't have expected Caden to know Yeah, that. Party All the Time was, what, 84? Rick yeah, James it wasn't until later in the 80s they got busted. Just like I wouldn't expect anybody your age to know that, that Bruce Willis recorded that Seagram's Golden Wine Cooler song, which was which was awesome. Uh, you, you've sent that to me, not not for a long time. You haven't sent it to me in years, but I think you sent it to me like three different times. <laughs> that's, that's over, awesome. over, over the that course of like two years, for me. you were like, here's this. I was like, yeah, we've, we've had full conversations <laughs> about this, John. It's my commitment to just. Being... You know he can't like talk anymore. Yeah, I know it's a shame. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, there's no good segue out of that. Dwan Mathis at wide receiver. I, I think I think it's it's worth noting at the very least that, and again, we know that if he wanted to transfer again to an FBS school, he would have had to sit out a year. If he was going to say, "Oh, I I started off with a super highly recruited quarterback." Things didn't pan out that way. Could have transferred down potentially to the FCS level, but he stole Temple, which I think says something for him. He is a heck of an athlete. He appears to be working at it. I think that's a, a minor win for the coaching staff. And if they can make him a 15, 20 catch guy, I, I think you've done your job there in terms of retaining a really, really good athlete on the roster. And and somebody who still wants to be here. I mean, he's saying all the right things. We'll we'll see more in in August. But getting him a full off season at the position can't really be a bad thing. I would. Yeah, think. I thought his one quote was honestly like refreshingly honest, where he said like I've been trying quarterback for a while and it just wasn't going good. Like it wasn't going well. I'm like oh, that's like a a pretty big like revelation to realize like the position yeah. you've been playing your entire life like. Maybe you're not cut out for it. I do wish he was like 25 pounds heavier because if he does become a focal point or a part of this offense at 6'5", 6'6", 210 pounds, he's going to take some hits. Like mm-hmm. he, he needs to put some some muscle on at that level. And he had a quote about that too, where he said like, I'm not used to getting hit. I didn't get hit for my entire life and now I'm hit every play. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. You want to uh, talk about a hit? Jack Nicholas took another hit to his legacy today saying he will... What a golfing segue. He will he will he will vote for former President Donald J. Trump again if he's the best candidate. Who's this... asking J- Jack Nicholas about this? Mm. I don't know, but uh, you know, Marcus Hayes just wrote about it in the inquiry. You know what what sucks is like up until 
Twitter, I'd say. So 2008, 2010, people could just be idiots in their own basement. Like, you could have shitty opinions, and I don't care. Like, as long as you're nice to me in person, like, I don't care what your opinion is. It's awful, but I don't care. And now, everybody's got a microphone, and everybody's this. And, like, Jack Nicholas, here's this in front of your face. Of course, Jack Nicholas is an old guy that lives in Florida now, right? Like, of course he's voting for Trump. What are we talking about? <laughs> yep. Everyone has a microphone. You know who won't have a microphone? Caden. Oh, no, I was going to say Declan <laughs> and Johnny if they keep asking to be on the scoop. But no, that's what I'm saying. It's every time. It's like, do you remember, were you guys too young for the game? Which was like, if you thought of the game, you lost the game. Do you remember that in like middle school? Was that a thing? No. It was when I was in middle school. And the whole pre- concept was you're playing this game that like, you're not supposed to think of. And then when you think about it, you lost the game. You start all over. And it was very stupid. But what we're going to do is the longer they go without asking for it, the closer and closer they're going to get to the finish line. But once they ask for it back in the pool just back to like the the pool of interns of who's going to fill those seats mm. i could get i could get a sam back here sam cone's got nothing going on he'll find time for us <laughs> damn lord have mercy oh um, that was baltimore's is that a city i don't know like what's <laughs> going on down there they got he's got time to come talk to us <laughs> Kyle knows what he's doing here, trying to rile up everybody. It's like uh, like a third tier Mid Atlantic city, right? So like, if uh, anything, uh, to come uh, up to like a top tier Mid Atlantic city, he should want to come talk to us. Just like, like, look, look, am I saying Philadelphia is like New York? Like, no, but like, it's better than Boston. It's better than Baltimore. It's like, Kyle, come see us. Remember when come take we, some wax in AAA? When Javon got fired off by analytics and we were done recording, and Kyle's like, I knew what I was doing. Uh, no, I don't recall that. Yeah, um, that, that, <laughs> that definitely happened. That doesn't sound like something I would do. Well, that sounds exactly like something you would do. I'm Pat's, a meditator. Oh, yeah. And our, and meditator our, and mediator. <laughs> yes. Uh, go, Pat's second question here to close things out. Go to Easter candy. Also trash Easter candy. Something that the bunny would catch hands for delivering to your basket. So Oof. what's your least favorite Easter candy? I think is what, what Pat is asking here. I feel like Junior Mints. I'm not like a huge fan. Oh, of I like Junior I like, Mints. I like Junior Mints. I also don't think of those as an Easter candy. Are those an Easter candy? Oh, those could be like a Christmas Eve treat. So what classifies as an Easter candy? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, rattle some mm-hmm. off. Jelly Besides beans. The Reese's eggs. And the jelly Reese's beans. eggs, jelly beans. The marshmallow peeps. Peeps. Uh, that, I peeps think might be, be the bad peeps. one. Yeah. yeah, I can't do peeps. I've tried. Oh, I just can't. Yeah. I like I feel, peeps. I feel like I can have like one peep and then I'm like, cool done with this like i'm not gonna eat the sleeve of seven peeps yeah I, when i when i speak of these candies i'm speaking from the the mind of eight and nine year old javon because i'm yeah. just not a candy person at all i mean the reese's eggs are good but they're also like reese's christmas trees are good like reese's anything is pretty much good jelly beans like it's hit or miss some jelly beans like are, a lot of people go like cheap with the jelly beans because like this is just like the fodder of the easter basket and like that can sometimes be bad uh-huh. Uh, but some, but good jelly beans are good. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I think Easter has a lower ceiling when it comes to candy. Like, there's not some like great like in food in general. There's not some like great Easter dish where you're like, well, this Easter ham just like knocked my boots off. But there's also I think a higher floor where there's not as much like potential like landmines of like that's just a terrible dish or that's a terrible candy. Yeah, for me, Easter's more about the desserts. Like my family, oh man, the women of my family, God, God really did His thing with them because they can bake their asses off. And oh, oh I'm talking. 
I'm sure God appreciates that on Easter Sunday. <laughs> Pineapple upside down, double cheese, double chocolate cake, uh, cheese cake. It, it's just, mm-hmm. it's an abundance of options. It's just wonderful. Like, oh man, I'm gonna eat 13 deviled eggs on Sunday. Is what's gonna oh, double eggs? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm gonna double eat 13 eggs. of them. Just pop, 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 and then that'll be that. Some mac and cheese, right. some greens, some fried chicken. My when my grandparents were alive, they would. It was ham. Stuffed shells, manicotti, lasagna, like like a there was like a pasta, there was like some sort of like Italian accompaniment to it. Do they still do Cadbury eggs? Yeah, they still exist, but I think they they made them smaller, if okay. I recall correctly. Yeah, I think for for me it's like the peeps. I just could never, I could never get into to the peeps. Just like my my dad, God rest his soul, worked for Spangler Candy for years, and they made the circus peanuts, and I was like, Dad, I I can't. And anytime he found somebody that actually liked circus peanuts, he would just be so delighted. What but are circus like, peanuts? What are they? Yeah. You were seeing they they were like literal peanuts that were like different colors, like orange, yellow, and they were like, I don't know how you really describe Todd Zalecki listens to our podcast every once in a while. Philly's beat reporter, his mom likes them. Uh they're like, I don't know, they're like bad, sugary, foamy peanuts that have like food coloring in them. Yeah, if you Google, if you Google them, you'll, you'll, you'll know once you see them. Oh yeah. I think I've, yeah. Okay. I guess I've seen these like in the aisle at grocery store. Yeah. But no, I can't say I've ever had these. They look like packing peanuts. Like that's like what yeah, I would use yeah. to make sure like a piece of equipment got shipped correctly from my dad. If, if you're listening to the scoop from heaven, I apologize. Uh, can't get in the circus peanuts. Although I don't think they ever ended up in anybody's Easter baskets. And our like whoppers, family. whopper, whopper does a good Easter thing. They're like whopper yeah. eggs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They do whopper year. eggs. Yeah, they do whopper eggs. I believe. Yeah. Anyway, that concludes the Easter portion of this. Uh, this podcast that concludes our services for this easter sunday yes. may god be with you all also it's just a happy passover to all of our jewish listeners who are who may or may not be listening to the scoop right now i hope you guys all have a wonderful holiday weekend again and thank you for your support of the scoop our numbers have been really really good over the last couple of months and steadily rising and increasing so uh big thank you to Ooh. all of our listeners out there here's a good thing that came from circus peanuts what's that lucky charms were created because of them because a General Mills employee chopped them in and put them into a bowl of Cheerios and said, wait a minute, this works. And they created Lucky Charms. It just blew my mind. I had no idea. And here did I. Which is, you know, obvious because I didn't know what circus peanuts were 10 minutes ago. But <laughs> but it's it's on there. Apparently it's it's proven lore. Another another little, little pleasant The love. more you know. Oh, gosh. The rainbow. Yeah. You- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you all for listening. We will be back with you next week with more spring football news wrap up the cherry and white game any additional news on adam fisher's staff or any portal developments and people coming and going and thank you so much for tuning and listening we will talk to you soon